Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. Hey, Curtis. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking with Ron Porter of the Back School. So tell us a little bit about him, Amber. Well, Ron, along with Stanley Paris, founded the Back School down in Atlanta in 1980. He is a physical therapist and the director of the Back School. And so it's really neat to talk to individuals from different organizations that still have that passion for helping employees. And he's got a really fun story as to how he got involved with ergonomics and Kind of like most people, the the situations all just kind of align together, and he's doing a lot of great work. And we're always happy for with anybody that's helping to improve employees' lives. So here we are. We're going to jump right into this interview with Ron. So we have with us Ron Porter from the Back School, which I think is an amazing opportunity for us to, you know, branch out outside of the Fit for Work family and understand what else is going on out there to help people with safety and improve their lives. So Ron, I want to ask you, how many times have you told somebody what you did and automatically (laughs) they want you to fix all their back problems? Pretty much ever since I became a physical therapist. (laughs) And certainly when I tell them that I work for the back school, everybody's got a story. Uh, I'm sure they do. So how did the back school get started? What was the initial idea and how did you get going with it? We actually began as an outgrowth of an industrial clinic here in Atlanta, Georgia. We would treat workers' comp patients. A lot of them were back patients. This was in the, I came here to work in 1981. And so the nurse from an industry, they manufactured automobile paint, called the clinic and she says, I'm really tired of sending you our employees. You need to come down here and tell us what we're doing wrong. And so a group of therapists went down, we walked around, we looked at it, and the main issue was that you've got different size people and you've got one size work environment. And that's basically what ergonomics is, is it's trying to fit the work environment to the worker, which is sort of the opposite of what we do in sports. You know, in sports, we match the individual's body. If you're tall, you might be a good basketball player. And so we went down there and we looked at the work situation in this plan, and it was a safe work environment designed by the employer, but it was a lot of work settings that were not designed specifically to the size and the shape of the workers. And so we made some changes in conveyor heights and work table heights, and we also trained the workers to do some body mechanics, some warm-up and stretching, and In the first year, their workers' comp claims went down by about 70%. And so this was a PPG industry, or it used to be called Pittsburgh Plate Glass. It was an automobile paint plant. And so the corporate office in Pittsburgh said, what did you all do down there to this nurse? Her name was Myrtle Jackson. He said, Myrtle, what did you all do? And she said, well, we just brought in some therapists and we did a back school. And that was actually where the name of our business came from. It came out of Myrtle's comment. And so the vice president for safety called and said, we want you to do that in all of our sites. 
sites. And we didn't have the staff in our clinic to be able to do that. So we designed a program to train their nurses at each site to be able to do what we call back then a back school. And that was where we first began doing some of our training programs and just sort of grew from there. Yeah, that's been almost 40 years. And at that time, the word ergonomics was really not a term that was used a lot. That really began more in the 90s. Yeah, no, that's really awesome that somebody had taken the initiative. And from that simple initiative, was able to turn it into what you were able to do for them. And that's wonderful. So what is it about the healthcare profession, such as physical therapists or athletic trainers, that you feel makes you know you qualified or have that ability to see that with that ergonomic eye without being trained specifically in ergonomics? I guess the issue a lot of times in our professions is that we are looking at, first of all, when we see someone with an injury, we look at root cause. And so that is, to some extent, doing an ergonomic evaluation. We're trying to find what was the causative factor that produced the injury so that after we treat them, if they go back to that activity, hopefully they won't be re-injured. I think the other huge benefit, having physical therapist or an athletic trainer or occupational therapist do ergonomics, is that they understand the body. You know, ergonomics itself grew from industrial engineering. And so we frequently work with industrial engineers. They're very knowledgeable about making mechanical changes in a workplace, but they're often not very educated about the human anatomy and physiology. And so we work together with them frequently in, in some of the larger industries where we're making changes with a manufacturing plan or something like that. In office ergonomics, the athletic trainer, the physical therapist, healthcare providers are, I feel, uniquely qualified to be able to provide education about redesigning the workstation. We know correct postures. We know the correct way to use the body. And we also know the correct way to keep the body in good physical condition. Here at the back school, we frequently refer to employees as workplace athletes. And as such, we help them identify that the things that they need to do are like any professional athlete. They need to use the best equipment which is the design of the work environment. They need to use the best techniques, whether it's throwing a football or driving a golf ball or working at a computer workstation, lifting a patient in a medical facility, treating a dental patient, whatever it is, it's correct postures. And then it's keeping your body in good physical condition. You know, I often tell people that one of the biggest benefits of ergonomics is it slows down the aging process of the body which is something all of us will experience if we're lucky. Yeah, definitely going through for the long run. So in your opinion, who is the primary target or candidate that the back school can benefit from? And what is your pool of people that you feel would benefit from attending? Well, you know, we do both educational programs where we train individuals like the physical therapist, the athletic trainer. Originally, most all of our training was medical professionals. Over the last maybe 10 years or so, we've attracted a lot more individuals, certified safety professionals, human resources, 
anyone that is interested in either decreasing the sprain and strains in the workplace or increasing productivity. Often people look at ergonomics or at services that we provide at the back school as a way of preventing injury. Uh, Whereas we tell them ergonomics itself really is part of human factors, which is designed to improve people's ability to perform their job. And so what you're going to see as a leading indicator with an ergonomic intervention is you're going to see more productive workers. You should see that almost immediately. What you will see as a lagging indicator, hopefully, are your decreased brain and strain injuries, your workers' comp claims, your medical expenses, things like that. So what you've talked about, who the school is for, what exactly is offered through the back school? Yeah, we offer a number of different things. We offer live and online classes. We offer webinars. We've got a blog. We do consulting services. Our goal basically is to be a lifetime resource for people about information, education, and tools that they can use to improve their professional lives and their personal lives. You know, most of ergonomics that we do, especially in consulting, and with a lot of the live and online training that we do for the professionals, is designed to focus on people's work lives. But we also hope that they will learn to impart these same ideas into their home environment or their recreational environment. We want people to be healthier, happier, more productive. People in pain or with work related injuries decrease their ability to move and act. It limits their satisfaction with their life. So our goal is ultimately, I guess, that everyone will become an ergonomist and understand what they need to do to keep their bodies in good physical condition. What type of industry have you worked with? We have worked with probably pretty much any industry you can imagine. We worked with Lockheed Martin here and around the United States where they were assembling a C-130 airplane. And it's really awe-inspiring to go inside a building and see eight airplanes under construction. You know, we've worked with Honda where they're assembling automobiles. We've worked for years with DS Waters or now DS Services water bottle delivery. You know, a difficult environment where you've got individuals carrying objects up and down steps. But, you know, I did mention the dental industry, and I think maybe the last... 10 years or so, we've been, I've particularly been doing a lot of work in the dental industry. A lot of our business comes from individuals who have gone through our live workshops or our online workshops, and they say, we would like for you to do this for you know more people that work with us. So we often do proprietary training where we design it specifically for the types of tasks that they're going to see in the workplace. And in the dental industry, I've gone to a dentist or a dental hygienist all my life. I never really thought that much about it. But in doing a little bit of research, I found that 70% of dental professionals leave their jobs through disability, not through retirement. Terrible. That's, that's Terrible crazy. statistic. Yeah. It is. And the thing that was so, you know, so enlightening about that is the dental industry is probably the only medical industry in our country that has always focused on prevention. You're right. They were trying to prevent cavities, but they never tried to prevent injuries to themselves. They felt, you know, one of the the, I think it was the University of British Columbia did a study that was interesting to me as one of the like 70 or 80% of the dental professionals say working in pain they feel is just part of their job. And 
as a physical therapist, I find that unacceptable. And so, yeah, what we want to do is find ways to eliminate people having to do that. Dentistry has, you know, if you're a right-handed dentist, you generally spend your entire career sitting on the right side of a patient, leaning over, looking into their mouth. And so you've got all of the ergonomic risk factors in that job. You've got awkward postures for long periods of time. Yeah, and ultimately they're doing the same thing over and over and over again all day, every day of their professional career. It's also a job, not unlike physical therapy, where income is determined by a number of patient treatments. And so once again, when you're looking at an incentive-based job, our goal is always to try to do the most we possibly can. And so they frequently push themselves you know, to continue to treat patients when they're not really feeling like you know, their bodies are at 100%. I'd like to take a minute from our podcast to ask you another important question. If you have a passion for helping people and never want to question whether or not you're making a difference in people's lives, join Fit for Work. Fit for Work is an established national provider of innovative workplace injury prevention services that cuts injuries and costs by 50% for our clients. So our investment in infrastructure and emphasis on culture ensures we can deliver consistent results at over 750 locations throughout the United States and Canada. We believe that hiring the best people produces the best results. So head over to our website, wellworkforce.com, click on About Culture, and then select Open Position button to start your future today. It's very eye-opening to me because it's definitely a type of setting, you know, you expect to hear it in the warehouse setting or you know, distribution centers, but just in that day-to-day prevention and healthcare, they really can be forgotten individuals. So that's really wonderful that you've been able to target them and help them as well. So in your opinion, what keeps companies from investing in this type of program? What do you think some of the hesitations have been from more companies using this type of program? I guess probably my first response to that would be misunderstanding of what ergonomics is about. And then the other two are the things that limit all of us, time and money. Either they feel they don't have the funds, regardless of the fact that you know the training and the reducing risk factors and injuries will ultimately save them a tremendous amount of money over time. If you look at the studies, if you go to the OSHA website and use the safety pays calculator, you can show that investment and return is excellent for safety and for ergonomics. Yeah, often I also think that individuals look at short term in business instead of long term. And so it's ultimately a lack of understanding of what ergonomics can provide them with. I mentioned earlier productivity. We worked with a call center a number of years ago where they used to use a telephone receiver and they would hold the receiver between their ear and their shoulder. They'd hold it in their hand, which when you've got one hand on a receiver, you can't do data entry. So it slows down productivity. So by giving them a headset to wear, it improved their posture, but they also found that the call center workers could answer 10 to 15% more calls every day because they could do their job much more rapidly. The other misunderstanding, I think a lot of times, if you use the word ergonomics, is people think it's a product 
in office ergonomics. They think if I just get the right chair, all of my problems will go away. <laughs> right. And I can't tell you how many times I have found that individuals were sitting in incredibly ergonomically correct chairs, but they've not adjusted them correctly. And when we do the live workshops, or I'll usually ask the attendees, how many of you have already done an ergonomic evaluation? And you've seen you know, a situation similar to that. And so a lot of it is people don't recognize that more of it is education and behavior than it really is a product. You know, if you don't educate the worker on why they need to use it, what the benefit is to them. You know, one of the biggest industries for work-related injuries are medical environments, hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living, where those of us that are physical therapists work. And we still have difficulty selling them on the need to implement ergonomic interventions. And it's very frustrating a lot of times, but often the response is, well, I don't have time. I've got all these patients to treat, or we don't have the money to buy the equipment. Exactly. And you haven't quite mentioned it yet, but we were looking on your website a little bit to get to know you better before we talk to you. We saw that you offer a certified ergonomic assessment specialist certification. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, who that would apply to? Yes. You know, we started, as I mentioned earlier, business in 1981 doing training. And in the 1990s, ergonomics started to become more of a field of focus. The BCPE, the Board of Certification and Professional Ergonomics, was formed in the early 90s. And a lot of the people that went through that process one of our instructors or a couple of our instructors or CPEs had a wealth of knowledge and information. It took about five years of experience. But we also found that there were a lot of individuals, physical therapists, athletic trainers, you know, others that I mentioned, that wanted additional training in being able to implement ergonomics programs, either with their patients in the clinic, or they were being called upon by local industries to come out and do ergonomic interventions, or again, maybe even in their own facilities in the hospital. So we began the process of providing what we CEAS, Certified Ergonomic Assessment Specialist, basically a certification program tests the knowledge, skills, and abilities to perform a job. And so in 2000, there was a federal OSHA implemented an ergonomic standard, and it was only in place. It required all businesses and industries, except for the ones that were exempt, to provide ergonomics, but it did not require people in the United States to show any evidence of skills in providing ergonomic services. And we found that there were a lot of individuals that were really just out there trying to sell things like, you remember back belts? how popular they were. And so there were in Canada and in Europe, you're required to register with a board or show evidence of skills in ergonomics before you can practice. In the United States, there's no requirement for that. So what we wanted to do at the back school is 
provide people with the ability to show evidence of a minimum level of professional competence. And so we actually offer four certification courses. There are three certified ergonomic assessment specialists, and then there's one that focuses on advanced office skills. And in those classes, individuals are required to complete projects, do exams, evaluate videos of jobs so that we have the ability to provide them with a certification that shows credibility that it's an independent verification of competency. I'm a physical therapist. I'm a member of the American Physical Therapy Association, and our association offers certifications in competency and orthopedics and geriatrics and education. They have never provided one in ergonomics or in industrial therapy. It's been sort of an ongoing process. Even now, they continue to look at establishing one, but they've not done it. And so as a way of trying to provide individuals with my professional background or other professional backgrounds with the ability to show evidence of skills in ergonomics, we began our certification processes in 2000. And since then, we've probably, we certified thousands of people, you know, to be able to go back and provide ergonomic services in the environments that they work in. I know we at Fit for Work have both CPE as well as providers who have your certification of the CEAS. So what is the expectation and the difference between obtaining those? Like, What is the length of uh, obtaining the certification as opposed to the CPE? Well, with the back school, the CEAS, the Certified Ergonomic Assessment Specialist designation, we certify that people are able to do a basic ergonomic evaluation using the OSHA guidelines since OSHA is the enforcement arm of safety in the United States and ergonomics falls underneath that. They repealed the standard, but OSHA still enforces ergonomic issues with business and industry using the general duty clause. It's called 5A1. And so our basic course teaches people to use survey tools that OSHA has validated are credible ways of identifying ergonomic risk factors. So if an individual is ever involved in a litigation and someone said, how did you identify the ergonomic risk factor? They've got a legally defensible tool to use. The more advanced courses that we offer, the CEAS2 is designed to teach people additional skills in doing ergonomic evaluations. And again, they're required to analyze videos. In this course, they use tools like the Rapid Entire Body Assessment. It's called REBA for short, RULA Rapid Upper Limb Assessment, so that it gives more quantifiable evidence of risk in a job. And then the third level was designed in a bias CPE for us, which basically breaks jobs down into very small units. So if you're analyzing a job in ergonomics, often you don't look at the total job. You may only look at one task or one task step that is an issue. And so each of our courses are 15 hours in length, whether it's live or online. The BCPE requires at least three years of experience. Now, initially it was five years. And so there are a lot of individuals that can certainly provide ergonomic assistance in the clinic as a you know, medical professional or with, you know, in their workplace, we train a lot of individuals 
to go back and assist their coworkers and being able to adjust their office workstations. They don't really want or need a higher level professional certification. We have on staff a CPE. She actually is, her background is in healthcare ergonomics. She's responsible for designing and developing ergonomic programs for a healthcare system in California. California is the only state where there actually is a requirement for businesses to do ergonomics. Cal OSHA requires it. In the other states, it's just a recommendation. Interesting. I had not heard that. And what do you think is keeping other states from doing that? <laughs> Time and money, I guess. That's a big factor in a lot yeah, of problems. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah the, the, the usual, usual. Yeah, time and money and misunderstanding. Yeah, I think that most companies don't want to be forced to do things. You know, ergonomics and implementing ergonomic programs in the workplace is aimed at providing services to your employees. And when you do that, when you show your employee that they're a valuable commodity, they support you as an employer. That's been my experience with our employees at the back school, and that's been my experience in looking at business and industry. When I go out and I work with a company where they show that their workers are very valued, going back to the beginning with PPG Industries, Myrtle Jackson, and the automobile paint plant, when you invest in your employees, they support you. And yeah, I think that a lot of times people don't recognize the value of doing that. When we've got a huge labor force, sometimes employers may look at employees as disposable. Once they get injured, I can replace them with someone else. Someone else will step up. But you know, from a financial standpoint, to replace a valuable employee usually costs about a year's salary. And, you know, when you're working with other people, you work as a team, you see one of your team members go down with an injury, it's demoralizing. And then when you see that your employer is not concerned about that employee going down with that injury, it decreases your job satisfaction and your support of your employer. So I think ergonomics is an excellent way of showing value to your employees. You know, we often, part of our programs may involve developing warm-up programs, stretching programs, things that are designed to provide them with better skills at performing their jobs, but also with better ability to do activities that are not work-related. So, you know, when I focus on the wellness of my workforce, which is yeah, I guess one of the places ergonomics certainly fits in, then I think everybody wins there. Currently, we're all aware of the problems that we have with health care in the United States, the expense and the lack of some people being able to access it adequately. And you know, a lot of the expense is a result of possibly not applying ergonomic principles to prevent musculoskeletal disorders. Uh, about a third of our workers' comp costs and probably of our overall medical expenses in this country are related to musculoskeletal disorders. With an aging workforce, we've got a lot more musculoskeletal disorders, arthritic changes that limits people's ability to enjoy their lives. But also, if they're still in the work environment at 60, 65, 70 years of age, it's going to limit their ability to perform their job as adequately as perhaps the employer would like for them to do. 
That is a great insight that you provided. And I think it's very true that the workforce is definitely changing. Not as many people are getting into it. And we've had discussions with other guests who have said exactly the same thing. So for you, it sounds like you're more project-based as opposed to long-term on-site based with clients. Is that correct? Our clients usually come to us through word of mouth. We have, again, we have the individual client that just comes to learn the skills and they go back and provide them in their own professional setting. But with our consulting work, often the business relationships, they may be for one project, but we may do multiple projects over years. We've had a lot of clients that we work with. uh, Maybe a two or three year period of time will go by and then we will work with them again. We're working currently with one to update the program that we implemented for them in 2012. And so our clients are clear that we are there for them as a resource. You know, we want to be a lifetime resource for them, regardless of whether there is a need for a specific project or a specific class or even a question that comes in by phone or email. You know, we often complete a project with a client, but we let them know that we want to be a lifetime resource for them. And so, you know, longevity, you know, most of the client's that we work with, uh, we go in and out, but we may go in and out multiple times over the years. Definitely. So what do you feel like the future is for the back school? Where do you see it going in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Well, we are an educational entity and an ongoing resource, as I just mentioned, and we hope to continue expanding our course offerings and reaching more and more people. We also know that education in general is moving more and more toward the online format. We've seen that occur with our classes, and so we want to continue to develop continuing ed and professional development courses for the market that we are servicing so that they can access it on their own schedule and their own pace. So, I see certainly more of essentially what we're doing right now, webinar or you know, podcast webinars, online education. You know, we do some now through a service called Foom, I think, where you can see one another from your computer, but they don't come to us. We don't go to them. We do it sort of remotely. So our hope for the future is that we will continue to grow providing our educational resources. That's great, Ron. And then if people want to get in touch with you, they've been inspired by what you've heard today. How can we get in touch with you? Well, the most common way today, I guess, is through our website, which is just www.thebackschool.net. But they certainly can reach me by phone. Yeah. <laughs> I like, as you've learned in this session, I like to talk. I'm always available or I try to be available. If not, we have actually 12, 13, 14 other ergonomic professionals around the United States that have different areas of expertise. And so often the question that comes in, I throw to one of our other instructors, you know, we want to be a resource. And I can also be reached by email. My email is just rporter, that's R-P-O-R-T-E-R at thebackschool.net. We really want to thank Ron Porter for taking time out of his busy schedule to chat with us a little bit about the back school. Something that I found interesting when researching the back school and listening to Ron was the education that they offer and the ergonomic assessment certification that anyone can get through the website and and going through the back school and, and some of their training that they have available. Yeah, and that training is so important and it's vital 
for helping individuals. I, I like his point where he said that ergonomics isn't about the equipment. It's not the product. You can't just give somebody an ergonomic desk or table or chair or tool and say, here it is. But you have to have that training portion to actually make any difference at all. Because even if a product may not be ergonomic, if there's proper training on how to use it, that becomes the ergonomics. The ergonomics is the training with the fitting of it. So it's that combination. So getting that training is so vital. Uh, and I think he's, like I said, doing great work to try to help these individuals see how their body is their instrument for enjoying life and how they can reduce and slow down that aging process as he talks about, uh, which I just thought was a really, really good point. Definitely want to thank him. And he was a great guest and, and good to get to know him. And we want to thank you as the listeners for listening to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website at wellworkforce.com. Or feel free to email us with any questions or comments to podcast at wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives. 